A Simple Prop A Memoir of Group Captain Neil McInnes by J. Smith Read by Ayub Koti Chapter 2 McInnes had not been on the ground in Germany more than an hour before finding himself confronted by a Hofbrauhaus Stein of German Pilsler and Group Captain Edward Lott. What the hell were you thinking, Flight Lieutenant? Despite the impressive height, forehead, and collection of shiny metal and colourful ribbons, McInnes was not impressed or provoked to stand and salute the superior officer. The 18-hour trip had ended up taking 39, with three hours in Cyprus instead of Cairo, and four in Belgrade, where half the men experienced their first emergency steep-dive landing. McInnes smiled at tiny bubbles dancing in his enormous glass of joy. Hello, Ed. Thanks for seeing me home. Missed you on the flight line. Had to shake some American bloke's hand. Deputy Undersecretary of Insincerity or something. He gave me a stuffed turtle for some reason. Would you like it for little Madeline? How is she, by the way? And your lovely wife, Catherine. I've been away a while. I bet they've both gotten big. Group Captain Lott remained at attention. Hoping McInnes would stand and at least extend a hand and save him from looking bad in front of the other, mostly American, officers. The reason I wasn't there to greet you, Neil, was because I was being scolded by the American Deputy Secretary of State. Only the deputy? I didn't write a sheriff. And someone from the HMDS who wants me to convey his personal regards, as a freedom-loving man and a fellow Scotsman, for whatever you said to the President of Mabenda, but he also would like to set fire to your hair. Fair enough. Why doesn't your agent my commanding officer? Because I'm the closest thing you have to a commanding officer, you nit. No one wants to claim you right now. Oh, bollocks to that, Edward. He disrespected Her Majesty's standard. Right, and you compared Her Majesty to... what was it? That's right, the fucking President of Mabenda! Not directly, and surely not unless Her Royal Highness is a bloody Time Lord. Wait, how did you know what I said? Did you not notice the President's camera crew? The one holding the boom microphone behind your head was CIA. Ah, so what is it then? Scrubbing landing strips with a toothbrush, firing squad. If I have a choice, I'll take the firing squad. Edward produced a stack of newspapers from under his arm, took one from the top and dropped it onto the bar in front of McGuinness. It was a German language paper, but the photo under the fold of the front page was headlined Cult Capitulation. The photo captured McInnes's salute and his cold stare to the president at the instant the leader's face betrayed his hate for the pale westerner steel. Another front page slapped onto the bar, this one from the London Post, with the same photo above the fold and the headline, Defiance Amidst Dishonour. Before McInnes could read the lead paragraph, Edward dropped a copy of USA Today's International Edition in front of him. In it, McKinnis only rated page A5, but his photo illustrated a story about the failure of the United Nations to do anything good about anything bad in the world. Bloody hell, McKinnis sighed. Would you like me to pen my name to these for your collection? Edward sat down on a stool next to McKinnis. The two men had known each other for close to six years. Edward was as close to a best friend as he'd had since before entering the service. Edward gestured to the man tending bar and then pointed to McKinnis' giant stein of beer.
McInnes finished skimming the article and dismissed the entire pile in a shrug. Edward, I didn't want to go to that Hellmouth in the first place. They sent a pilot to fly a disc and drive a truck in the middle of the kingdom of fire ants. I spent two bloody years surrounded by unburied corpses, sick babies, and the most mind-numbingly violent people I've ever seen. What was the fucking point of that? Edward shook his head and kept his eye on the long stream of amber filling a titan's beer glass down the bar. Mickey, you're not going back to England, not for a while. Don't want to go to England, mate. I've designed a bit further north. You'd have to resign your commission for that, I'm afraid. Your transfer back to the RAF is on hold, and you are attached immediately to the UN Security Commission Advisory Board in Budapest. Hungary? Mate, that place is stuck in the bloody 9th century. If they see a plane, they'll raise a mob with pitchforks and torches and try to kill it. The only things out after dark are old KGB fucks, prostitutes and addicts and bloody fucking vampires. What am I going to do and boot a fucking best, Edward? Edward repeated the order, as if saying it again in a slightly sterner voice would give it more weight or sense. A United Nations scab. I don't recall them having an air force. Edward noted that they had actually one plane which ferried members of the team to the capitals of developing nations to discuss how to do things like write a constitution, establish a government that doesn't collapse every third quarter of a year, why elected kings are a bad idea, and who to buy weapons from, and why it's a very bad thing indeed to look into naughty things like nuclear, biological, or chemical weapons. It's rats bollocks, Edward, and you know it. Edward drank his beer and did not argue. Did you notice anything about your comrades in the UNAMIM mission? Other than the fact that they were largely useless above the non-commissioned ranks? Like perhaps they were all there with you in a jungle of misfit toy soldiers because they pissed someone off somewhere? We were set up to fail, Edward. They put a Canadian in charge. You put the Canadians in charge of building things, breaking things, and negotiating for things. You never put a Canadian in charge of a military operation unless your main adversary is a clan of very cross, abominable snowmen. And even then I'd suggest contracting out to Belgium. They sent us soldiers who spoke one language each, and none of them the language of their unit officers. We'd ask for water and the UNSC would send us sand. I get the point, Mickey. You were set up to fail. Now that there's a stable government in Mabenda and we elected not to put a bullet through the president's floppy gob, our betters will be looking for some thanks in whatever minerals or other resources we can find there. You know how this works. McKinney's thought back to the Road of Bones. Images of unique skulls, not pressed plastic Halloween props, but thin skulls and wide skulls, tiny child skulls and delicate skulls, massive ones with thick jaws still attached and others missing all but a few teeth hanging down. He recalled the mountain of corpses fed by slave labour and choking on the smoke of their burning remains. McInnes did know how the game was played. He also knew it was played by men in clean, pressed uniforms sitting behind desks, teaching other impressively dressed tin soldiers how to think about war without actually thinking about war.